I think I like the idea of caramel macchiato coffee, but I, I really don't like it once I start drinking it for some excuse me, weird reason. I I'm just like a plain, like plain strong coffee type of guy. And but I like the like the I like the exoticness of like a, a caramel macchiato, you know. And I say it with like a little bit of an Italian accent. It's- macchiato. You know, something. But Amy got some coffee the other day. Somebody sent us, and we don't even know who it was. We have no idea. I mean, from Arizona. I mean, the coffee places in Arizona. I don't know who. What's the name of the coffee? It's like, uh, I can't remember. It came in a brown, two brown bags. Mm -hmm. It had a short name. It was like a mom and pop type small place. Mm -hmm. Man, it was good. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I need so, I need the name of that coffee. Yeah, there's was, a couple I want to try. Is uh, um, Black Rifle is one. Yeah, another one is <laughs> it's it's um all of the names are like Spurgeon or Ooh. Calvin or this one. Like, oh, this one was like a Hawaiian name. I feel like, but anyway, I'd never mm. heard of it before, but it was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I need to I need to find like a. I'm, I want to get fancy with my coffee, you know. Just, so, just the the whole bean. I got a, a coffee, uh, whatever that thing is called, a grinder. Bean. Yeah, I got I got that, and I'm like, I need to just get fancy with my coffee because I like a good cup of coffee, but the pods aren't really working for me anymore. You yeah. know. This is truth. Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Here with me today on this uh, wonderful day in April where it is raining. I think by the time you all hear this, it'll still be April. Yeah, it'll still be April. It'll be like the last part of April. But this, yeah, will be the last podcast we do in the month of April in 2020. Um, with me today is the pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, buddy. It's good to be with you again. Yes, absolutely. All the time. Um, I am actually happy to get out of the house yes. because um, I've been working pretty hard to do. And uh, I don't even know how to describe this task. It is it is a, a, a husband task. You're where serving are, your wife. I am serving her by remodeling the kitchen. Yep. But we are probably I should probably do this on YouTube because this is the cheapest way that, to do a, a remodel without calling in contractors. We're doing all the work. I have watched uh, many videos, how to and DIY to get this whole thing going. Uh, You're but strengthening your marriage. Yeah, <laughs> strengthening it, strengthening it by straining. Yeah, no, that's that's it. It's yeah, like, it's like working out. Oh man, you gotta, yeah, you got to stress the muscle to yeah. make it stronger. Pain See? would be a good way to that's, say it. It's, well, it's, a, it's your marriage. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> it's the truth, though. But yeah, it's 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 fun. It's looking good, and the biggest thing is that. At the end of this, my wife will be happy with the new kitchen. There you that go. is that is the whole point to That's this. That's the goal. That's the goal. So happy wife, happy life. Yes, and this by saying what I just said, it has nothing to do with the topic that we're going to talk about. <laughs> I just want to be clear because my wife listens to this podcast as well every blue moon. So I want to be clear. And then I got she got friends that listen. I want to be clear that what I just talked with Matt about has nothing to do with this topic. Don't get me in trouble. We're actually going to talk about uh, uh, a very controversial word that has been 
um, pretty much taken out of the vocabulary of a lot of uh, churches. Um, yeah. You know, uh, in in Matt's last sermon, he uh, mentioned another word that has pretty much been taken out of uh, uh, the uh, vocabulary of a lot of churches. That word is guilt, but we're also going to talk yeah. about sin. Um, and, uh, and it's basically, um, we're just going to be very simple talking about the who, what, when, why, where of sin. And that is a easy, a very easy format for us to go down. And, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So, uh, put on your seatbelt because this is definitely, you know, this is one of those things where I'm I'm really dreading going to the gym. One of those mornings where you're tired, you don't want to go to the gym. This is one of those moments because I know I need to hear this um, and we need to discuss it. Uh, but I know that it'll be uh, very beneficial in the end. Mm. So, mm. so Matt, let's start off with the what of mm-hmm. sin. What is sin? Mm. That's a great question. First uh, John, First uh, John three says that uh, sin is lawlessness, mm-hmm. and so that's probably one of the most concise, um, definitive verses in the Bible that speaks directly to what sin is. And uh, while that doesn't answer everything about it, it does kind of hone it in, and that it speaks that sin is a is clearly a, um, a di- divergent act against the law of God, the word of God, the character of God. So uh, many have defined sin as any act, any attitude, any thought that is contrary to the character or the, or the claims the word of God. So anything we say, do, or think that goes against God's holy character or goes against God's holy word, that is sin. That could be things that I do that would be uh, sins of uh, commission where you commit an act and so therefore it's proactive. I'm sinning because I'm doing something. That would be sin. So God's word says thou shalt not commit adultery. And uh, so I go and commit adultery, which means I do it, I commit it, then I have sinned. But there's also sins of omission, sins I don't do, right? Where God's word clearly commands us to evangelize and uh, for the believer, and he doesn't do that, that's a sin of omission, where I'm not doing what God has told me to do. God uh, tells children to obey their parents, and when a, when a child doesn't obey his parents, he's, he's in sin, right? And so we often think of sins as, as proactive actions, but they're just as often uh, passive things we don't do, right? And uh, so you've got to hold that in balance, and so so they're actions, but they're also attitudes, thoughts, and uh, that's where going back to the one I brought out a minute ago, which was straight out of the you know Ten Commandments, Tenth Commandment about not coveting, not coveting somebody's wife, and um, go to all the way to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus Christ said, if a man looks at a woman with lust, he's already committed adultery in his heart, and um, so so you've uh, you've got that reality of lusting, coveting. That is a, an internal attitude and a, a reality of the mind, not just the life. So uh, Jesus, even in the Sermon on the Mount, said, if you look at your brother and say, Raka, which would essentially be um, uh, like, like, I condemn you, you know, a very v- vile um, condemnation to somebody, like I'm going to kill you kind of deal. Um, Jesus says it's as if you've already killed him in your heart, right? You've already committed murder. 
So it's again, it's not just the action. Action's clear, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's obvious. But it's also um, it's the thought, the the mindset, um, and the, the reason for that. Which I'm moving ahead from the what to the why. But the reason for that is because the source of sin is ultimately the heart. So, but long before you actually act out sin you've committed sin already in your heart. Hmm. So long before a man commits adultery, he's already an adulterer because he's already thought about it in his mind. He's planned it out. It's rare, if ever, that there's ever a, a, a moment of passion that a guy or a girl falls into adultery. It's it's thought out. It's It's been a fleeting desire. It's been something. Mm-hmm. And uh, because that's how sin, you know, you can go back, I think it might be the... F- the first time that the word sin is used in Genesis 4 with uh, Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. and where um, uh, Cain, of course, uh, brings his offering, and uh, it is uh, rejected by God, clearly because whatever he brought was what God did not require, like did not command in the sense of God told him what you should bring. Mm-hmm. God's always clear. That's We know that in Scripture. Whatever God demands, he makes it clear to us. He's not ambiguous. So whatever they were supposed to bring as an offering, God had already made that clear, and whatever Cain brought was not appropriate. Mm-hmm. It was not accepted by God because it was not according to the Word, right? It was not according to what God had said. Right. We don't know what that is. Scripture's not clear. There's a lot we could think we, we could say about it, but we know for sure that it was not accepted by God. It was rejected. That made <clears throat> Cain very angry. Mm-hmm. And ultimately what you know, what drove him his anger and discontentment and pride and selfishness, you know, ultimately kills his son I mean his brother, mm-hmm. Abel. But God warns him in Genesis four and tells him that, you know, comes to him and says, Why are you so angry? Why are, you know, if you do if you do right, you know, it will go well with you. And then he he warns him, sin is crouching at your door. You must seek to master it. And he was speaking of the reality that sin, sin is right there in your heart. It's you're being tempted. I know what you're thinking, and you're being tempted to go down this road. Don't do it. And of course he does. And of course James chapter one, uh, verses what is it, uh, thirteen, fourteen makes it very clear that that yeah. that, that's, that correlates to James I'm to Genesis bouncing because that yeah. was where I went first. I looked that up and yeah. uh, um, I. It was verse 14 and 15. But yeah. each person is tempted when he yep. is lured and enticed by, by his, his own, own desire. Lust, his own lust of his own flesh. So then, it, yeah, then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth, brings forth death. death. And, and, and that, te- that text is, is confusing for some people. Because when James says that um, sin, sin gives birth, he's not talking about it becomes sin. Right, so people are often confused by that. Mm-hmm. He to have a lustful, sinful thought in your heart is sin. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't be walking around with lustful, sinful thoughts and it not be sin, right? Even though our hearts are always a, a flickering flame of sin, right? But to have a no, a, a known lustful, sinful, wicked thought in my heart and not repent of it is sin. Right. And so that's what Jesus illustrated. Absolutely. 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 And so so that passage, when he's talking in there, he's not talking about he's 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 talking about the interaction of temptation and temptation ultimately then bringing about the manifestation. It comes out of your life. So when he talks about sin is birth, he's talking about the reality that sin now manifests itself, whether it's through the the actual thought or more importantly, the deed 
the deed is now out and it's ultimately going to bring death. But the lust in the heart is already sinful. So mm-hmm. so it's the sinful proclivity in the heart that we all have. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. The only reason temptation's in an issue is not because the temptation, it's because my heart wants it. Mm-hmm. Because if my heart had no desire for sin, there would be no temptation, mm-hmm. right? In the sense of uh, I wouldn't be drawn to it. Yeah. So I have that inner proclivity of my flesh, my inner sinful flesh is so driven it's so it's so uh, enamored with sin that i'm constantly drawn towards it and that's that's where that temptation is driven by i and think so, we're going kind of yeah. in all the questions because the how uh is is one of the questions that we, well, we can ask. I mean, we can we can repeat we're, we're it everywhere. We can, yeah but so mm-hmm. so the what go back to the what and, mm-hmm. and this is important um, because i wanted to make this clear so i just kind of scratched the surface on the fact that sin is 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 always an uh, an attitude, an action, a thought that is contrary to the character of God and divergent from the Word of God, and it, again, it's something you do, it's something you don't do, mm-hmm. and it can be either or, and um, and so, but it's also and this this I said, but it needs to be repeated more specifically, and it is this: sin is ultimately against God. Now, I can sin horizontally, and the Bible's clear about that. Matthew 18 is a passage that makes very clear if your brother sins against you, right? So Mm -hmm. we can be sinned against, and we are. However, at the end of the day, the ultimate issue with sin is that it's against God. Mm -hmm. It's a vertical issue Mm -hmm. that then, because I've sinned against God, now it breaks my horizontal relationship and I sin against man. Mm -hmm. And that is a very important point that the Bible is really clear on and there's a myriad of passages, but one that's helpful is uh, Psalm 51, mm-hmm. where David says emphatically, against you and you alone have I sinned. Now, wait a minute. David sinned. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against the whole nation, if if you know we want to be really particular here. And yet, at the same time, he's right. His sin was ultimately against God. Mm-hmm. It's against God every time we sin. Because, again, even horizontally, I'm told to love my neighbor. Mm-hmm. I'm told to serve my brother. I'm told to you know, forgive as I'm forgiven. I'm mm-hmm. told to honor, uh, outdo you in showing honor. All these things. Mm-hmm. So whatever I do against you at the end of the day is ultimately a sin against God. Because right. he's already covered you. He's mm-hmm. already established that. So everything is established by him, even our horizontal relationship. So if a husband sins against his wife, and he does, his issue ultimately is that he has not fulfilled or uh, or he has ultimately abdicated the role that God has called him to. Mm-hmm. So it's really against God, not even against his wife. And that is so important to make clear. Well, that's because that whenever you would do something offensive to your brother or your sister or your wife or whoever, it's because you're breaking God's command, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're breaking, you're breaking God's uh, law or you're mm-hmm. going against God's plan or mm-hmm. you're... Uh, ultimately, um, sadly, worshiping yourself and seeking to be God, which right. is at the heart of what all sin is, and so, mm-hmm. so, so it is always it, sin is always a um, an offense, but also an attack mm-hmm. against a holy God, mm-hmm. and that's where sin often gets muddled and minimized. It's not a picadillo. It's not a minor. Uh, it's not a at any sin. 
it's not a simple picadillo, which is like a mistake. It's yeah. not a minor infraction. It's not a little white lie or, you know, like how we talk about sin mm-hmm. and we put it in these categories. And there are categories of sin. The law is very clear. There were things you were stoned for and the things you weren't. Mm-hmm. So there are categories of sin and many people don't think that there are. However, when you compare and you understand sin is against God, there is no comparison. Mm -hmm. The little white lie that we would call is a heinous offense to God. Mm -hmm. So it's an offense to God, meaning he can't look at it. He hates it because he hates sin because he's perfectly holy. As James says, there's there's no injustice in him at all. There's Mm -hmm. no shifting shadow. Yet at the same time, This is the scary thing about sin that we often lose sight of. Sin is not just an offense against God. It's a direct attack against God. Hmm. And that's why so many theologians down through the ages rightfully have have called sin cosmic treason. So when Hmm. you commit treason, right, you're not just going against a government or going against a nation. You are in many ways attacking that nation from within. That's what makes it so treasonous, right? To, to essentially become a spy when of your own of your own country, and so that's what sin ultimately is. So it it offends God. It's an offense to Him. He 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 can't have it in His presence. It may, sickens Him in that sense. Yet at the same time, it's a direct attack against Him. Every sin is, because that's the issue. At the end of the day, sin is saying that I don't trust God. I don't like what God has for me. I don't want what God has for me. I want to do it my way. Every sin has that at at its core, mm-hmm. and therefore you're attacking the character of God. You're attacking the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You're attacking the goodness of God. Right. So you can see how massively. Uh, offensive that would be to God and how massively um, stupid that is for us Mm -hmm. to attack, you know, the holy, righteous, great, omnipotent God of all the earth. But that's what we do. Yeah. And that's, yeah. So that's the what in a, in a, in a concise way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely is concise way. I also want to throw uh, one. You've explained Psalm 51 yeah. once before, yeah. but another uh, example that you threw in there was uh, Genesis 39 with Joseph yep. Yep. and Potiphar's wife. Yep. Uh, he literally says, uh, how will I do this wickedness mm-hmm. against my God? Right. Right. He understood that sin was ultimately against God. Another really good example of that would be Isaiah 6, where Isaiah right. is standing, um, has the vision of the Lord. And he's in the temple, and it's, it's again, it, you can see the direct correlation between sin, the wickedness of man, and the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. Because sin doesn't even come up. God doesn't say anything about sin. God, God doesn't do anything other than reveal himself to Isaiah, mm-hmm. right? And so Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of the robe fills the temple, and the pillars in the temple shook, and all of that, right? And then first words out of Isaiah are what? I'm a man of unclean lips, Mm -hmm. and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Mm -hmm. Woe is me. I'm I'm undone, meaning I am going to die. I'm I'm literally literally having a nervous breakdown, and I'm going to die. And his point was, because he had 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 a perspective and a vision and a sight of the holiness of God, it revealed to uh to isaiah his own sinfulness Mm -hmm. and that's what god's holiness does his blazing 
purity uh, pulls out of us our innate wickedness. Mm -hmm. You can't get away from it. So you can see the direct correlation, the direct contradiction that sin is in the presence of a holy God. It cannot stand. It will not stand. Mm -hmm. God will either consume it in his holiness or he will purify it. It, There is no one or the other. I mean, he'll judge it and and ultimately um, consume it by his firing holiness or he'll cleanse it. And that's that's what happens with the angel who comes and takes the tongs off or the burning coal with the tongs off the altar and cleanses his lips and says your sin has been has been atoned. So I, I like that picture because it, it, it puts juxtaposition and contradiction, man's sin and God's holiness, and that, that reality never changes. That's why um, M- Moses can't see God, mm-hmm. right, when he wants to, and that's, that's why the law was written um, as it was to confront that. That's why the Exodus 19 and 20 are what they are that, uh, Israel um, was scared to death when they when they stood in the presence of Almighty God for the first time because His holiness revealed their sinfulness and they were rightfully trembling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that's good. So the the that's that takes care of uh, the the what a, a lot of the what of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I think the next would be the why, and you kind of well, alluded to it uh, before. Uh, but you're gonna you're gonna ask about the who later. Uh, sure. Are, I mean, are you? I just if you're not, then I'll bring it out now. But that reality, it's, I have the who, what, when, where, why, and how much. <laughs> okay, so so the just just to be clear, but the, they're all going to cross. I yeah, know. the who the who is clear. Like so, that is what sin is. But who sins? Well, the Bible is clear. Everyone. Mm-hmm. So everyone, everyone has this uh, reality as part of their humanity. It's mm-hmm. part of their their DNA. It's part of their makeup. We're born sinners. Romans uh, 5, literally starting verse 12, makes that crystal clear. Romans 3, uh, 3.23, for all have sinned. Is, uh, Ecclesiastes 7.20, there's not a righteous man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is completely universal. I quoted in today's sermon, you know, Genesis 6 and Genesis 8, where it literally says that same reality, all have sinned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans uh Romans three, there's no one good, no not one. Mm-hmm. All are are wicked, and and uh, so so that just needs to be clear, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it, sin is an internal, it's an internal proclivity and part of our humanity, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about why. Now I can talk about why, yeah. Because how can that be if God created everything that's good? Mm-hmm. How can we say that all humanity is sinful, innate, right? Not just part of my skin, but it's part of my internal makeup i can't get rid of it it's it's inside of me as part of my uh humanity and so how can that be well god did create everything that's good but adam and eve who were created good innocent no sin nature they rebelled against god again Mm -hmm. sin is an offense and an attack against god Mm -hmm. and um so god made it very clear he he they adam and eve and in that sense, representative of humanity, Adam and Eve are the pinnacle of creation. All that God created in six days up until the point of humanity was created in many ways for man. Now, not as for man's glory, for God's glory, but for man to subdue and mm-hmm. rule for God's glory. Mm-hmm. So God has a plan for man. It's to rule It's to rule and reign the earth. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I often like to say that Adam and Eve in God's design were to be little sovereigns. 
That's why God uses that word that speaks of sovereignty, have rule and dominion over the earth. He's literally saying, be my sovereigns, be my viceroys, be my vassal uh, rulers over the earth. You have right to rule and reign. The animals will listen to you. The, the, the plants will listen. To you. Like, it's your job to rule and reign the earth. And most people lose sight of that. Rabbit trail. Go ahead. What's the difference between that and the little God theology that because, Kenneth Copeland and yes, all of them preach? Yes, totally. Because the little God theology teaches that you essentially are like God in the sense of you're, you're omnipotent, omnipresent, like you, you grow into that. This mm-hmm. isn't that at all. All this is is exactly what Paul calls ambassadors. I'm his representative. Okay. And so like a governor. I'm, yeah. I'm, like the, I'm, you were talking about yeah. Pontius so, Pilate. So it's not about me. It's about him. Mm-hmm. But he, he has empowered me by way of my position, right? So when you compare the uh, deer or the foxes, mm-hmm. I'm man, meaning they don't have authority. I do. Mm-hmm. So it's a position of authority, first of all, and they're the pinnacle of creation by way of by way of earth, man is. There's there's nothing, you know, of a higher creation on earth until you get to the heavenly creation with angels. And even even though they're higher than us now, we'll be higher than them once we're uh, glorified. Mm-hmm. But by now, by earth, we are the pinnacle because we have the ultimate authority. We're not only the top of the food chain, so to speak, but that's by God's design mm-hmm. because he's called us to rule and reign. The little God's theology is something uh, heretically different. They, it's more in line with what Mormonism teaches, where you become like God mm-hmm. in the sense of you take on the divine attributes of God. No, not at all. They were not God. They they were always a they were always a creature and will always remain a creature, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but we are given we are given the right to rule and reign, and that's what we'll do in heaven. That's exactly what's repeated throughout Revelation, where we are brought to heaven to what to rule and reign mm-hmm. with God. Right. And so not as God. Mm-hmm. Just like we're being conformed into the image of Christ, the little little God theology basically says we become like Christ, meaning in all his authority and all his ability. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. We become like Christ in his uh, positional um, holiness and his, practica- in his practical love for the Father and service to the Father and in our redemption, yes. But we are never the second member of the Trinity. We never become divine, mm-hmm. right? Um, we, take on a, a divi- we take on a divine character by way of our holiness, absolutely. That's because we're sinless, and we will be redeemed. Mm-hmm. But uh, Christ is the second member of the of the Godhead. He is God in the flesh. We will never be that. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so that's the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Yet, because of that sad, heretical, false teaching, uh, people are often, they often minimize what we've been given mm-hmm. and what we're supposed to do as viceroys of God in ruling and reigning the earth. And that's why heaven will be so much of that made right. So man was given the authority to do that. Um, and he was given the ability to do that. And again, <clears throat> it was very clear. Genesis 2.15, guard and keep the garden. That's, that's, that's Adam's job. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's your job. Guard and keep. Protect and serve. Make it everything I want you to make it. It's yours. Turn them loose, which mm-hmm. is pretty awesome when you think of what you're talking about remodeling your kitchen. <laughs> I mean, it's innate within us. We were created to work. Right. We were created. I love that in Genesis 2.15. That's where the whole idea of protect and serve, which is the hallmark of every police you know, mantra across mm-hmm. the the nation, right? right? That comes right out of Genesis 2.15 because that's what man was created to do. Wow. We were created to serve, mm-hmm. right? We're workers, 
That's why laziness is never a virtue that's exalted. It's always a virtue that's mocked and scorned because it totally defies what we were created to do. Mm-hmm. We were, that's why when we go to heaven, we're not going to float around on clouds and play harps. We're going to serve because right. that's what we were created to do. Mm-hmm. But we're also to protect. We're to protect that which God created, meaning care for it, tend it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, nurture it, uh, make it um, essentially expand. And that's what they were, multiply the earth and all of that. And that's part of having dominion, mm-hmm. meaning you have the authority. You right. have the right to rule. So um, sadly, though, what man tried to do goes back to your heretical uh, idea of the little gods. That was not enough. Satan comes in, tempts Eve and Adam, and ultimately they follow Satan's rule rather than God's rule and mm-hmm. say, we want to be like God. Right. They do exactly what Satan did. That's why all sin is ultimately the cosmic attack against God of trying to kick God off the throne. Hmm. They wanted to be God. The little God's theory, it comes straight out of the pit of hell because that's all it is. It's a recapitulation with a modern twist on it of what Satan's been teaching all along, that you're just going to be like God. I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. And mm-hmm. that, and And that's what Satan was kicked out of heaven for, and that's what he brings to earth. And so he goes there and questions, uh, uh, implants uh, this whole doubt into the mind of Eve and the thought process and see God's holding back on you. That's what it all is. So he he questions the character of God. He questions the goodness of God. He questions the word of God. He questions the plan of God. And he gets all that going. And then they do. And they're like, yeah, no, we don't. We want to. We want. We want more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You're gonna hold back on it. So if I eat this, then I then I get to be like God. That was the whole yeah, point. Wow. I get to be just like him, knowing mm-hmm. good and evil. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and uh, so that was the one. That was the one restriction given to them. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, do not eat of the one tree. That's it. Of the whole garden, and. They did, yeah. and that's again they they defied the word of God, which was a direct attack against the character of God, and God's promise was, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. That even unto itself, this is a good point that's often missed. God was using warning before sin even entered the the cosmos at the time. Mm-hmm. He's using warning as a way of protecting us from sin. Most people miss this. God warns us throughout Scripture as a as a protective measure, as a prophylactic to keep us from sinning. Mm-hmm. He did that even before sin came. He does it severely now that sin has come. So much of judgment we see in the law, of the Leviticus and all of that is all warnings. If you do this, this will happen, mm-hmm. right? Now we, we clearly see it. But even did that with Adam and Eve. And says, listen, if, if, if you do this, it's not going to go well. He was mm-hmm. warning them. He's trying to protect them. That's grace. Mm-hmm. Warning is always grace. Mm-hmm. And you see God being gracious there, saying, don't do it. Don't do it. And uh, he was clear. But they did. And they brought devastation and destruction upon the planet. So you have the uh, natural impact of sin on the natural world. And then you have the spiritual impact of sin upon the spiritual world with uh, the relationship between God and Adam and Eve. And then you have the familial impact of sin upon the uh, home between Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve. And Mm -hmm. then you have it upon their children. And Mm -hmm. you can just see it just has impacted the whole natural world, the created world, the spiritual world, the family world, everything that God created there, which that's what he created, the natural world the spiritual world in the sense of there was a relationship between God and Adam and Eve Mm -hmm. and the family world. He created Adam and Eve and the first family. 
all of that was deeply impacted. And then when you look at the individuals, they're impacted to their core. Mm-hmm. So sin then impacts the way they think, the way they act, the way they, the way they serve, what they do. It's totally infected the mind, the heart, the will, the life, physically, spiritually, totally. Another rabbit trail thought is that they were actually, well, Eve was tempted with the knowledge of good and evil. Yep. And yet they uh, walked with, they could literally walk with God in the cool of the day. Oh, yeah. And ask him anything that they wanted to. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they had the knowledge, a, a way of getting that knowledge, but they chose to do it a different way. Yep. Which I'm, I'm perplexed, but I get it. You know, it's, because it's sin. Well, it's sin, but sin. Paul says we're not we're not foolish to not uh, know the wiles of the devil, the mm-hmm. ways he works, mm-hmm. and and we're not. If you study God's word, it's uh, Satan is a is a powerful foe without question, but he's a defeated foe, and he's a he's a uh, uh, he's a consistent foe. Mm-hmm. He only has so many tricks up the up the sleeve mm-hmm. right and he goes back to the same ones over and over again in large part because they work so well on us sinful human beings and uh, one of those is constantly throwing up this reality that god has not given you the best hmm. this reality that god is holding back his best for you hmm. so much sin that is blatant flagrant meaning i know i i like 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 adams was very flagrant. Uh, Paul says Eve was deceived, not Adam. He sinned openly, which is scary. So he knew what he was doing. Eve was Eve knew what she was doing in that she openly sinned, but she was deceived by the serpent along the lines of what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and got her thinking that God had held back on her, that God had hadn't given them the best. If they ate of the tree, they would have the best. But God doesn't want you to have it. Man, so much so much sin is driven by that. When you know, even the lust, sexual lust, or whatever, in a in a young person's life or an old person, for that matter, is driven by, yeah, no, if I don't get this, I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna miss out. Mm-hmm. It's all driven by that idea of somehow missing out. Like there's something out there that I don't have, and if I just latch onto this, I'll get it. That's a that that is that is an mo straight out of hell, mm-hmm. and Satan does that all the time. Sin has that enticement on it. And to realize, like you said, that in the gospel, with a relationship with God, you have everything. Mm-hmm. You lack, as Paul said in the, to the church at Colossae, you lack nothing. Mm-hmm. So when you understand that and grow in that, it takes that appeal of sin away. It takes that. It takes literally that weapon, so to speak, of Satan out of his hands. He can't tempt you with anything if you already have everything right wow so yeah that's uh that's a that's a big thought right there um also you know now that we are we're we're, we're going off on rabbit trails which is what we kind of do sorry so now let's we've get never back done that yeah we've never done that before now let's get back to and i think that this backtrack. is the they call that backtrack yeah when you're hunting with a dog <laughs> oh right right he's backtracking that <laughs> uh so the the biggest and you've alluded to it already. Like I said, these these questions kind of uh, cross over uh, the where. Yeah. Uh, where is where is sin? You know. Yeah. The and, source. And 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 I think to add to that is how we sin. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I kind of I think that goes uh, hand in hand. Yeah. So uh, you know, Mark is clear. Matthew's clear. 
Um, Matthew 12, 14, 16, Mark 7, that sin erupts from the heart. Mm-hmm. Jesus had to deal with this multiple times. Pharisees, I was watching a, a movie the other night that was depicting the Pharisees, and, and it did a pretty good job, and it was it was actually Nicodemus teaching um, and he was he was talking about and he and he made this very flagrant uh, statement that totally opposite of what Jesus said, and it you know just jumped off the page to, or jumped out of the screen to me because it's so obvious. But yet that was the Pharisaical mind, and it was this that what that what goes into a man defiles him. Like sin, sin literally comes from the outside. It's an external issue. It's a circumstantial issue. It's what I touch. It's it's what I see. It's it's out there. So if I can take the sinful picture away, I have no sin. Mm. If I can take the sinful person away, I have no sin. It's external. That's why the Pharisees lived the way they lived mm. and wouldn't walk on the side of the street, wouldn't mm-hmm. do go here, go there, because they believed sin was external. Mm. So all they had to do was cleanse their environment, and they're good. Right, wow. And so he was teaching that. And Jesus comes in and says, nothing could be further than the truth. Why? Because his disciples, instead of washing their hands, they're walking through the field. They grab a, sh- uh, a husk of corn, which would, would have been more than likely a piece of grain. And they just roll it around in their hands. They get some, some essentially some natural granola and they start throwing it in their mouth and enjoying a snack. And the Pharisees are like, whoa, 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 wait, man, you're defiled. You, you, you ate with unclean hands. Your hands are dirty. You didn't wash them. Now, mm-hmm. now that's gone into your body and you're defiled. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? It's not what goes into a man. Mm-hmm. And, and then Jesus gives them, a, you know, as a, as a joke, as a poke in the eye, he, goes, he gives them a whole, uh, a, a whole anatomy lesson and he starts talking about the whole digestive system. And he's like, wait a minute. So you're saying that what goes into a man, it goes to his belly and essentially is, is released outside of him. And that's what defiles him. He said, not at all. It's what comes out of the man. Mm-hmm. It's what's inside of him. It's the heart of man that is the cesspool of sin. It's the heart of man that comes evil thoughts, evil actions, murder, malice, uh, adultery, uh, and, and all, uh, in one of the verses it says, and all other wickedness, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, that's the cesspool. That's the source. Mm-hmm. That's the spring from which sin uh, flows is our heart. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not our, it's not our world, though our world is sinful because two reasons it's filled with sinners mm-hmm. and it's ruled by uh, Satan. So it's, our world is sinful and the Bible is clear of that, but, but it, it, sin is not an innate object, right? There there's objects aren't sinful man is sinful mm-hmm. he is sinful and then he he um looks at an object and essentially can use it to sin i quoted it today john calvin saying we're not just idol worshipers we're idol factories mm. i can i i think it was john owen said man is never ending in inventing ways to sin mm-hmm. right like i can take any object that's innate it's amoral there's it's not right or it's wrong and i can make it sinful mm-hmm. meaning i can use it for a sinful act but the mm-hmm. object isn't it's like it's like the whole gun rights thing it's like no gun ever killed anybody mm-hmm. right it's just it's just an it's just an object it, it has no moral conscience it has no ability to kill anybody but i can take that object into my hand and now i can sin right yeah i i mean i I completely understand the argument that, and I'm not just saying guns. I'm I'm just saying you know the the Nicodemus argument that you just explained. Yeah. Because what that does is that puts you know here's another word the guilt 
uh, on the actual object of a gun or the object of whatever it takes is takes it off of me instead of on me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. from you know understanding that it's like, oh well, yeah, well she did that. It wasn't me that did that. She did that to me, or he did that to me. I don't have any guilt in this. Yeah, you know. So that's kind of why I would understand that to be. I know that's wrong. Yeah. Well, the and the Bible even talks about objects that are forbidden, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not because the object itself is sinful, like 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 uh, making a a graven image, mm-hmm. right? It's one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not make any graven image. You shall not make an idol in 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 my description, in my form, because mm-hmm. I don't have a form. That's the whole point, right? You can't make one. Anything you make is going to be an aberration of what I am. But it's not that images are bad. It's that I'm going to use this image and replace God. Mm-hmm. That's what. That's the issue yeah. with idols. Mm-hmm. I mean, idols are nothing. It's just a piece of wood. It's just a piece of metal. But I then begin to treat that as if it's God. Mm-hmm. And now it's not God. No mm-hmm. matter what I say to it, it's not God. But all I've done is lower God. I'm giving a false representation of who he is as the almighty, holy, omnipotent God by saying this is God, mm-hmm. and that's why that, that's forbidden. The, the golden calf is yeah, a, yeah. A, a good example of yeah. that. Yeah. But this sin, sin ultimately finds its source in, in man. Mm-hmm. Man, is the, man is the furnace of sin. He is the, uh, he is the source of sin in that it comes out of, out of his heart and... Uh, and so, uh, and as well as, you know, Satan is ultimately sinful. But because Adam and Eve sinned, sin spread to all men. Mm-hmm. It wasn't through Satan. It came through Adam. Adam is always the, the uh, first, right? He is the federal head. He's our representative. He stood over, over humanity as its representative, as Christ does over the redeemed. He's our representative. So what happens to Christ happens to me. He was resurrected, so I'll be resurrected. Now, but before Christ, it was the first Adam. Adam. What happens to Adam happens to me. He sinned, now I sin. Mm-hmm. And so you can see that correlation. Romans 5. Romans 5, uh, 12, to, 12 to 21. Yeah. There, there, twelve. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And then it says... First yeah, Corinthians 15, uh, 20, 21 just says the same thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so that reality, that's where it comes from, and and then it's uh, it's as Jesus says it's in my heart, um, and uh, that's why uh, Jeremiah seventeen nine long before Jesus said it Jeremiah did that the heart is desperately wicked long before Jeremiah said it Moses said it in Genesis six and Genesis eight that it comes out of the heart right mm-hmm. and uh, and the heart being not the not the uh, cardiovascular. Uh, muscular uh pump in your body mm-hmm. right that's a that's more of a a, a spot in our uh, physical muscle he, the heart when the bible uses the term heart um cardia that's where we get the word that's the greek word for cardiac or mm-hmm. speaking of the heart or leb is the hebrew word um primarily used for heart when i speak when he's talking about that he's talking about like it does in uh, Proverbs 4, the heart is the wellspring of life. Mm-hmm. It speaks of the fact that the heart is is our control center. It's who we are in our most inner core, mm-hmm. just like the control center 
of a airport is the point that controls every airplane wherever mm-hmm. it goes. It's not controlled by the guy on the runway with the little with the cool yellow flags. <laughs> it's controlled by that guy sitting in that in that uh, control center telling him you go to runway such and such, you go there. That's our heart. Mm-hmm. Our heart literally tells us what to do, where to go, how to respond, how to think. It's the control center. So got a rabbit trail now. Go for it. So uh, during your last sermon, you were talking about conscience a yep. lot. Yep. So what's the difference between like your mind, yep. your conscience, and your heart? Yeah, so um, they're all interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so the conscience the conscience, uh, in many ways is, is uh, you could almost say it's like the voice of the heart, mm-hmm. right? It's like, uh, it's, it's like the alarm system of the heart. It's not the heart, so to speak. So it's distinct, and yet... The heart, the conscience, and the heart and the mind, and again, in the Bible, the heart and the mind are often synonymous, Mm -hmm. though they're distinct, right? Because what goes into the mind affects the heart, and the heart affects the mind, and vice versa, 12, Romans uh, chapter uh, 12, 1 and 2, um, how do you recalibrate your mind, right? Mm -hmm. You're thinking by the Word of God, Mm -hmm. and so there is a total distinction between the mind of man and the heart of man and the will of man. Right. And so those three are distinct. The mind being how he thinks, the heart being what drives him, his motives. Right. You could Mm -hmm. say his his desires. And then the will of man is essentially what he does, his actions in interconnected in that is this conscience, which is this divine gift of God that Romans two and and uh, many other passages, Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8, 7, all talk about where this reality of my, my recognition of morality, my mm-hmm. recognition of right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, the conscience is a divine gift. It's a, it's, a, um, it's a sensitivity to sin, right? And every child has this. You can see it as clear as day, as, do, as does every human. Mm-hmm. Every human has it, even... A, even even in the darkest reaches of the jungle, you go and you and you you yes, missionaries have and they and they interact with people who are even by our standards would be vile people, and yet there's a standard of morality there. You mm. know, they'll they'll do things, and it's like, who taught you to do that? Right, right. They just know, mm. right? That is their conscience. I think in that, your uh, parents in class, you said that who has, you've always asked, nobody has ever had to teach their children how to do something do wrong. wrong. No. Yeah. You have, no, because they know. And mm. when they do wrong, it's again, why, why, why does a child hide? Why does a child hide when he does wrong? Every child in their early years, they will hide, man. They will they will take something, and it's like, wait a minute, how did you know how to do that? Because their conscience is telling them, no. It's like every child, why does every child sneak for the cookie jar? Why not just aggressively go, I want another cookie? Right. They don't do that. Now, eventually they get there if they're undisciplined, mm-hmm. right? They will get there, but if, but they, why? Because their conscience is accusing them, mm-hmm. going, no, don't do that, don't yeah. do that. But that's in a gift from God. However, because of the sinful heart, right? The source, the control center of life and the depraved nature, i.e. the the alienated, darkened mind and the enslaved will, because of that, the conscience then becomes trained in ungodliness, Mm -hmm. into false thinking, into prideful thoughts. And so what starts out as a a very sensitive uh, alarm system given by God to all humanity starts to get deadened. It starts to get de- desensitized. It starts to become numb. And if it's not recalibrated and taught, even sitting under sound teaching will mm-hmm. will uh, reinvigorate a conscience, meaning it'll it'll help cleanse it, not 
totally without repentance, but it will bring in truth mm-hmm. to push out error. If you don't have that, then the conscience eventually dies mm-hmm. or uh, utterly becomes, as First uh, Timothy 4, Titus 1.15 says, defiled mm-hmm. to where it's an evil conscience now, and it's actually, it's actually encouraging you to do to do evil because I've you know it's like people will say well my conscience is clear I'm like well that doesn't mean anything because if your mm-hmm. conscience contradicts scripture your conscience is evil mm-hmm. and needs to be repented of yeah right and so uh, I think we talked about it before uh, the, the searing of the conscience yes you the, know just just the just the burning yep. uh, you know to of the ends yeah. of, the, of the nerve endings that's mm-hmm. First Timothy four talking about Alexander and Hymenaeus and they had seared their conscience as wicked men and mm-hmm. that's a scary thought mm-hmm. it is a because that can happen. Mm-hmm. And we see it in scripture, and uh, but yeah, so there's the, there's this in many ways this mysterious interconnection because the conscience is always driven by the mind, right? And it's all it's ultimately motivated by the heart, and so the heart we know apart the unredeemed heart is is sinful, but the mind is key because the conscience builds off of or responds to convictions. Mm-hmm. Conscience isn't like a it isn't like a a joystick or something that you can control you know, uh, apart from your mind, it's mm-hmm. your, it's the convictions of what's right or wrong that go into the mind that then feed the conscience. Mm-hmm. So it's tethered to the mind deeply. And so as those convictions change, the conscience then changes. That's why you can have a weak conscience and a strong conscience and, or a wounded conscience or a seared conscience. All of that is driven by what you do with your mind. Mm-hmm. So that's good. That's good. So we've talked about the what of sin, uh, Mm -hmm. what sin is. We've talked about uh, the where, like where we sin Mm -hmm. um, uh, and how we sin um, uh, conscience. We also talked about the uh, the why. Did I say that already? Yeah. The Mm -hmm. why. Uh, (laughs) So this would I don't know how to approach these questions. So I'm just going to ask ask them. uh, When do we sin? Yeah, so. And this has to do with uh, pulling out the points that you made in your last sermon as well, talking about your conscience and uh, you, you talked about Herod. Yeah, and 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 you know those things. So that can so so we sin again every time we we think a thought, do a do a deed, say a word that is contrary to the word of God and the character of God. Mm-hmm. So anything, uh, if we withhold from God that which he has commanded, mm-hmm. meaning we don't do what he's commanded, and we do what he has forbidden, we sin. Okay. That is in mind, so it doesn't have to be an action. I can, it's like, it's like, um, a uh, very common thing today, a very serious sickness is pornography. Mm-hmm. And so guys will get, uh, um, well, I don't even know, what, what do they call it? Screen uh, blockers mm-hmm. on their computers to keep them from going to certain sites or whatever. And, um, and they're like, you know, good, I'm protected. Listen, you can sin, uh, sexual sin, as much with having no computer. You can lock yourself in a room and still be a perverted man mm-hmm. because of the mind. Mm-hmm. So it's not, again, it's not just the acts you do, it's the thoughts you have. Mm-hmm. That's why Ephesians 4 is clear. The mind is darkened, it is depraved, it is it is literally hell-bent on pride and selfish, uh, sensual thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so that's, what, that's where sin is always, always, always begins in the mind. Mm-hmm. That's where we start every sin, and that's where we 
kill sin ultimately in the mind. That's why Second Timothy uh, ten says we are to take every thought captive to right. obedience to Christ. Mm-hmm. So um, so killing sin's a big deal, um, but it's it's less physical and more mental, meaning dealing with our sinful thoughts. Mm-hmm. Now the actions need to be dealt with too, right? If I'm if I've got a a foul mouth or if I've got uh, an angry uh, uh, demeanor, like that needs to be stopped, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that. Even that comes from sinful thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do that action without dealing with the motive behind it, the heart motive. So, so yeah. So it's a it's a big question because we sin in practice, but we sin in perspective as well in mm-hmm. how we think. And so that's that's where it is. And it's all driven by the heart. The heart is the issue. It's all driven by the lusts of the flesh. And the minute those lusts are in are are the minute those lusts are inflamed, I'm already in sin. Mm-hmm. So so the minute. The minute I'm enticed, I'm already in sin. Now, people, a lot of people would disagree with that, and they'd say it's not a sin to be, it's not a sin to be tempted, right? Well, there's some truth to that. However, I'm telling, I'm saying exactly what Scripture says: that my heart is so wicked, and so, like Paul says, there's nothing good that dwells within me, right? Mm-hmm. My heart is so bent on 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 uh, selfishness and sin that. The only reason I'm being enticed to that thing is because my my heart is sinning, mm-hmm. and um, so I I take that position clearly, and that there's there's not there's not as fine of a line as so many people have thought between you know temptation and sin. I mean, it's clearly not a sin to be tempted mm-hmm. because they'll say Jesus was tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. Right, right? Hebrews. Right. Hebrews uh, four or Hebrews two, and um, and yet at the same time, right? At the same time, Jesus did not have a sinful nature like I've got. Hmm. So he was he was tempted externally, right? He had all the temptations, and his temptations were greater than mine because. So so let me just let me just rabbit trail and say all the people that are like, wait a minute. Well, then if Jesus wasn't tempted like I was, then 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 he doesn't know what I'm going through. Oh, no, trust me. He was tempted greater than you and I were because he's the perfect holy son of God who can't even be in the presence of sin, right? Hmm. And so when sin is is brought across his plate, it's way different than when it's brought across our right. plate. So the intensity of his temptation was so much greater than ours. There's no comparison, mm-hmm. none whatsoever. However, he did not have a sin nature, right, like I've got, like you've got. Mm-hmm. And so our our while we go through external temptations and that's different and I think there are external temptations and I can be tempted externally and not sin without question. However, when that temptation comes up internally, I I I don't know how I can be tempted internally and not sin because once my heart is bent on that, I've already I'm there. Mm-hmm. And that's the scary, sick, sad nature of the uh, unredeemed flesh that I can't wait to be rid of. Yeah, speaking of and that. And that's James, and that's what James is talking about. Right. Speaking of that, I listened to a sermon. <laughs> I think this sermon was uh, from the 70s at some point. Um, this is John MacArthur, and he was saying that, uh, you know, your justification comes when the tree is cut down. That's it. But the roots 
are still there. The root of sin is still there. And literally your job as a Christian is to keep cutting those little sprouts or roots that, that start to to pop up everywhere. Um, I think he also uh, compared it to like a fire. You put that fire completely out, but those embers are still there. And until glorification, you know, it'll still be that potential. Yep. Yeah. So, and that's the heart issue. Yeah. The external. So we battle, we battle a, a war. Mm-hmm. We're in a war, wartime mindset, without question. The Bible's clear about that. Galatians 5 is the greatest war, though. So we battle against Satan. That's clear. First, uh, First Peter 5, he roams around as our great enemy, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Mm-hmm. That's why... You know, we put on the full armor, Ephesians 6, mm-hmm. so we, we may stand against the, the schemes of the devil. So we know that's real, and we know that's that's serious, and I don't minimize that. However, we also know that um, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. The whole world is un- under the evil one, and Ephesians 2, we're seduced by the world. We're dealing with the sinful—the world is is Satan's megaphone. It's his—, it's his um, pulpit, mm-hmm. if you will, to indoctrinate the world with— error and we deal with that all the time so mm-hmm. we're we're bombarded by that but the biggest battle the ultimate battle the one that i need to fight the most the one that is the scariest is my own flesh mm-hmm. that's what galatians 5 is clear that's what wars against me that's internal the external dealing with satan and dealing with the world that's serious and i'm not minimizing it but that's external that that the only way i sin is if i give into it Right. But the deal with my heart, mm-hmm. man, that's that's what Galatians 5 says. It wars against one another. That's that's Romans 7 where Paul says, the good I want to do, I don't do. The, the good I'm supposed to do, I don't do. The bad I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to free me from this body of death? That's what Paul is saying. As a believer, mm-hmm. Paul is recognizing that. And then the joyous truth of our justification when he says in Romans 8, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because if I just look at my flesh, I'm done. Yeah. I'm just looking at my flesh and saying, how can, how can I be redeemed? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, it's not about me. It's about Christ. Mm-hmm. And then I look back and realize, oh, wow, he has changed me. He is changing me. He will change me. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so <laughs> the, the last question is the how much but I'm not sure that we can actually uh, can't th- quantify it. Yeah, you you alluded to it in in, yeah. in, your, in the last sermon because you were talking about how wicked uh, we can be, and, I, and we don't understand. That. I think I think um, a number of things. The closer you get to Christ, and here's how you do that: the closer you get to Christ by glorying in the cross, mm-hmm. the more you understand the evil of sin. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I don't for a moment. Sin is not uh, is not a quantifiable subject. Mm-hmm. It is not a mathematical equation that you can say this much wickedness equals this much sin, so to speak. There, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. I think it does in the mind of God. I'm just saying in the in the uh, in the psyche of the man, the person. We are so sinful, we can't even do that because anything we calculate is always going to be minimal. Wow. We're always going to be setting ourselves up better. We're mm-hmm. always going to be looking. Like, I'm always going to look at you and think, man, he's a he's a vile. That's a vile <laughs> guy. But but you know me, I'm not that bad. Right, that's right. what we all do. Mm-hmm. Again, that's that proclivity. That's that that's that perverse nature. So I don't think there's any way we could ever rightfully quantify the Bible. You know, clearly there are lists of vile sins. There are sins that clearly are, 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 that we're condemned for, and there are sins 
that we're not condemned for in that sense. The Bible makes the list of sins that I think we should take serious, not minimizing other sins. So there's there's a there's a quantity or a or a qualification there. However, um, you can't ever get to a point where those other sins are what Jerry Bridges called respectable, mm. right? They're not respectable. Mm-hmm. They're they're cosmic treason against a holy God, mm-hmm. and. And a life, as First John says, that continues even in a respectable sin, a sin that I don't think is that bad, like um, like arrogance or pride or something that I'm like, well, you know, stretching the truth, discontentment, things like that, that we, frustration, which is nothing more than discontentment, which mm-hmm. is a clear sin, mm-hmm. a vile sin, but we count that as, eh, it's not that bad, right? right? Lack of discipline, mm-hmm. right? We're commanded to be people of self-discipline. Well, that's an issue, right? That's a clear sin. Well, that's not that bad. Omission, but, but, omission but, of the truth. But but, but uh, homosexuality, nah, you know, yeah. yeah, liar, nah, you know, and so we get into this. But uh, and so that's I'm not denying that it's there. I'm just saying that when you understand what sin is as an offense and an attack against the holy God, and how sinful you are, you 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 walk around that. Uh, what I would call that dangerous pothole and say, yeah, I'm not messing with that. Mm-hmm. I'm more sinful than I realize. And I don't even know how sinful I am. Yeah. I'm leaving that to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, I love, like I said in the sermon today, when I was talking about Herodias and, and Salome and how wicked mm-hmm. they were. And I was driving that point of application saying every believer should be overwhelmed by the grace of God, because apart from God's grace, that would be our story. Yeah, that we would do the same exact thing that mm-hmm. they did in their debauched, depraved sickness, mm-hmm. and yet that's me. Yeah. That's that's exact. I know yeah. I have the capacity to do that. Your, your nine eleven analogy was was pretty succinct and just like kind of put everything in perspective. Oh, I, that was one of the lessons I learned mm-hmm. in that. I I remember sitting in our little West Virginia. We called it the Love Shack. It was about four hundred square foot <laughs> decrepit house that we had, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I remember weeping over all of that that was going on, and I remember the Lord you know, teaching me so many things. And uh, that was one of the lessons I walked away from that I never forgot. Mm-hmm. Or it was like, you know what, as vile and sick and sad and watching those people jump from that building. And it was just awful. It's just, I'll never forget it. And yet I walk away going, apart from the grace of God, I would do that. Yeah, I would, I would, I would get in a plane. And I mean, to think I wouldn't is the height of lunacy. Mm-hmm. It's the height of pride. Yeah. Right. And uh, so that's, that's sin. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I think that a good way for us to, you know, kind of well, conclude. Well, well let, me, let me ask you this. Go ahead. Let me end it on a, on a more positive note. So why don't more people get in planes and crash them into buildings? Why what, isn't there more Hitlers in history? Why isn't there more Stalins? Why isn't there more Herods? Because if we're all that, why isn't it then manifested, you know, more prolifically right because mm-hmm. if we're honest you know these heinous uh people that we see do these heinous acts they're they're wicked but praise the lord we're not all that way mm-hmm. well the answer is really clear it has nothing to do with us it has everything to do with god's grace mm-hmm. god holds that back in mm-hmm. his grace his mysterious sovereign grace he withholds 
he he will not allow our depravity to fully unleash itself mm-hmm. and uh, that is only because of his grace yeah. and we see that we see that um very clearly multiple times in scripture but one of the clearest is revelation when the church is taken out and the tribulation and all of that happens what happens god literally he removes his his grace mm. and says okay that's all it is. It's just like I'm going to take my 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 withholding grace. That's why in uh, Thessalonians it's called the the restrainer, and he pulls the restrainer out, which very likely could be the Holy Spirit, or or some people even think it's the church, but more likely the Holy Spirit that's restraining the depravity of man. Now he just pulls it out, and that's why the wickedness and the tribulation is just unleashed. Good God says, okay. This is exactly what Romans 1 is, right? Hmm. So how does man, how does man go from denying the creator and worshiping the creature to bestiality? Like hmm. how does it spiral in that? Because it says what? God gave them over. God gave them over. God turned them loose and said, "You want to run in that course?" Takes my hand away and go, "Run." And that's where man goes. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah. Uh <laughs> Now I got to go off on another rabbit trail and ask this question. Uh, You mentioned the tribulation. Is that like, are we right now pre-tribulation or or are we in the tribulation? Well, that's a that's a that's a that's a great rabbit trail. But I'll answer it. (laughs) I'll answer it in a in a concise way, believe it or not. I will say um, we from the time that Christ ascended, we have been technically right. If you're going to be technically accurate from the type time of Christ's ascension, we have been in the last days. Biblically, technically accurate, that is true. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think rightfully you can say that. We're in the last days. We've been in the last days. Well, Christ ascended 2,000 years ago. So when I say that, it's not what most people think, right? And so um, are we in the tribulation? Not in my mind, not as I read the Bible, not not the not the tribulation by way of the great tribulation. We're not even close. Mm-hmm. When I read the judgment of God and what's going to happen, trust me, pff, ain't nothing happening like that. Mm-hmm. Now, do I believe without question that what is happening in our world is setting up stages, is getting ready, is things are happening? Of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't know how anybody could deny that, right? The Lord could could be another thousand years before he returns. I have no idea when he's going to return. But I know this, what Paul said is what Paul said 2000 years ago when he said when he encouraging the Thessalonian church and encouraging all the churches really when he says what be encouraged we are far closer to the Lord's return than we were yesterday. Hmm. His return is at any moment. That's Paul. Man. How much more today? Right, right. So uh, so I get excited when I think about those things mm-hmm. without question, and there's a lot to be said about them. But I'm reserved when I, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a newspaper theologian, uh, eschatological theologian, where I read the newspaper and say, see, the Lord's returning, see, no. Mm-hmm. Again, the coronavirus is a terrible plague, but compared to the, um, compared to the uh, uh, Spanish flu plague of 1917, 18, there's no comparison, mm-hmm. none. So if that's not the tribulation, why would I think this is? Right. Even though many people think this is, mm-hmm. right? It's like, and 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 take the contemporary illustration out and just say, when you read your Bible and you look at today, it's like, yeah, no, that's not happening now. Hmm. So uh, it's, it's, it's very clear. But people twist it. People want, and there's even, I think, even a, 
a desire where people so long for Christ to return. It's almost like they can see it everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Now, the world is getting more wicked. The Bible said that would happen, especially as time drew near. We see that happening. But is is it as wicked as it will be? No, no. Could it do that really quickly? Absolutely. Look how fast, look how fast the global economy has been virtually eviscerated mm-hmm. in like four weeks. Mm-hmm. That's why like uh, the the rapture and and all of that people have laughed and mocked and think oh how's that going to happen how's a, how's all this going to happen where you're going to end up with one world currency and how's this all going to happen with one world leader there's no way it would take years to set that up and here we here we've seen the mm-hmm. economy of the entire world brought to basically a shutdown mm-hmm. by god in weeks mm-hmm. it's like are you kidding me yeah are you kidding me? The Lord is so, he laughs, as Psalm 2 says. He sits in the heavens and laughs and says, you guys have no clue. Yeah. At any moment, I snap my fingers and I can change everything. Mm-hmm. And this has been a good wake-up call to that. Just that quick, yeah. So, anyway, there well, you go. Well, that uh, Yeah, that's a, that's a good rabbit trail for us to go off of, uh, off on, I would say. Uh, I want to kind of bring everything to uh, a point uh, just to kind of end it. And it's really more of the idea of why sin is bad. And and you you already talked about it being cosmic treason. Yes. Uh, It's cosmic treason because God is holy. Exactly. Absolutely. He's holy. And and there's um, because it's not only an offense against God, it's an attack against God. Mm -hmm. And that's why the Bible is really clear. We're children of wrath. Mm-hmm. Right, Ephesians two makes that very clear, as well as multiple other times in different ways. Meaning, we're 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 children who are under the wrath of God, John three. Mm-hmm. But we are also children who are who are at, at enmity, enemies with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- again, the Bible is so is so countercultural, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we see ourselves as just passive, neutral players, pawns here, mm-hmm. and the Bible says, no, you're not a neutral pawn. You're an enemy of God. You're on an assault. To, to attack him and kill him and go against him and mm-hmm. you would and if you could and of course we see that in history so so it is a vile thing so if I'm an enemy of God I hate God I want nothing to do with God I only want God to be destroyed that's what Romans 3 is very clear on Ephesians 2 1 to 3 is very clear on if I if that's me Colossians 1 21 is very clear on if that's me then what hope do I have mm-hmm. to not be squashed by the almighty judge of all the earth because mm-hmm. that's what I deserve mm-hmm. I can't kill him I can't overpower him I can't go against him he's God and I'm not mm-hmm. how then what hope do I have because I'm a sinner who deserves God's judgment I'm clearly he owns me because he created me he given me life. Everything I have has been given by him. The shirt, the food, the mental capacity, the ability to move my everything mm-hmm. has been given by by God. Therefore, he has the right and the authority to declare what I'm supposed to do with it, and that is to worship and serve and obey him. He's fully in the right to do that because he made me. So mm-hmm. so it's ludicrous to think that I have the right. I have no rights at all. Mm-hmm. There, my right, My only right is to serve the Lord. Because that's what he created me for. But if but if I don't want that, I, I'm uh, I'm driven away from that. Then I have I need help. It has to remember what we have established. Sin is inside of me. 
Sin that drives me to hate God and run from God, as Romans 3 said, there's no one that seeks after God. Why? Because the engine of my life, the internal furnace of my life, drives me away from God. So if I'm ever going to get help, it has to come from where? Outside. Mm -hmm. It can never come from within side because within me I'm corrupted. Mm -hmm. I'm totally defiled. Mm -hmm. So it has to be some sort of outside source. That's why, as I was preaching today, Roman Catholicism and every other religion, which is all the same, it's all a w internal workspace. Mm -hmm. I, I do it myself. I raise myself up. I bring myself back. Never works. Mm -hmm. Theologically, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. I can't turn myself around. I won't turn myself around unless it's to shoot God. Right. But God, being rich in mercy, Titus mm -hmm. 3, 5, mm -hmm. he turns us around. He brings us back. He, as Paul says, reconciles us, justifies us. He propitiates his own justice, his own wrath, his own satisfaction. It's all his work. That's why Jonah 2.9 was clear. Salvation is of the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's all a work of his grace. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. Mm -hmm. And that is the mercy and rich kindness of God to send his one and only son as the propitiatory, meaning the satisfying sacrifice for my sin. And God has decreed and declared that if I will only turn to Christ, like Moses when the when the Israelites got bit by the snakes mm -hmm. and he and he uh, crafted the snake and put it on the cross and he carried it through the whole uh, Israel camp and told everybody, if you'll just turn and look to the snake, mm -hmm. you will be healed. Can you believe there were people that wouldn't do it? Of course. Yeah. Of course they wouldn't because it's not in them. But God in his mercy opened up the eyes of some yeah. and they turned and looked and they were healed. Mm -hmm. And so it is with everything. Every single believer, he has opened their eyes, 2 Corinthians 4, so that they might see the truth. He's granted them repentance so that they might forsake their sin, and he's given them faith that they might believe, and that is the blessing of the gospel. So the call of the gospel is what? Repent and believe. Mm -hmm. This is your only hope because sin is your greatest problem, but Christ is your greatest provision that God has ever given to the world. He's provided Christ. He's provided Christ crucified for all who will come to him. And the call is repent and believe and be saved. Mm -hmm. So usually I would say, uh, thank you all for tuning in. And then here's the gospel. But you just heard the gospel uh, as plain as it can be. Uh, the biggest thing that we were confronted with is our sin and where it comes from. And a lot of people think that it comes from the outside. You know, it's, it's, it's an outside thing. Um, but it, the sin that we have has been covered. And you just heard the gospel. Uh, so. We are going to uh, end here. We're going to come back next time. But thank you all for listening uh, and take care. Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at The Truth Talks Podcast. And visit our website at bellcrossbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.